There's a phrase that you might have heard or might have even have said to yourself. And the phrase goes, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. But what is good spirituality? Today's first reading from Isaiah really does talk about what good spirituality does and leads us towards. These verses prior to today's reading from the Old Testament of Isaiah deal with the talk about what true fasting is. Catholics, Lent starting soon, so it'll be time to fast, huh? But fasting true way, because many people there were fasting only to put on a show, to let people know that they were doing a holy act. They did it for their own benefit. And some of them did fasting to win favor with God. In other words, when I fast, then God will definitely do what I ask him to do or what I need from him. And Isaiah addresses that issue about fasting. He says it's a good act, but all fasting and all spirituality leads towards an other-centered spirituality, that it leads us to feed the hungry, that when we fast and are filled with love, it leads us to clothe the naked. It leads us to shelter the homeless. In other words, spirituality really focuses on how we relate and care for our brothers and sisters. That's the essence of it. And that's what Isaiah is saying, is when we are led that way to think of other people, we become a light to a world that is steeped in darkness. So what example can I give you that would bring that reading today, that you can not only hear the story, but maybe see visually? And I want to share with you a story, and it'll be on video. There's a news anchor in Seattle named Eric Johnson from KOMO, and he's well known for a storytelling. I've shared some of the stories with you, so he's excellent at it. And he tells a story today of a woman that I want you to listen to. It's about a five-minute video. But I think it will give us a direction and a visual of what Isaiah is talking about where spirituality leads us to care for each other. Let's take a look at this video. She grew up on an orchard in Eugene, Oregon. She lived through the Great Depression. That's her in high school. She was young and alive. She never went to college. Instead, she moved to Seattle after high school and went to work for an early investment firm. She didn't marry until she was 51. Look at the way her husband, Ed, looked at her. The two of them never did have children. And they lived in this house on Dexter Avenue in Seattle. She was very sweet, but very private, um, reserved, I guess might be a good description. She loved to travel. Her name was Eva Gordon. She lived a quiet, unassuming life. She had a soft spot for two-for-one coupons to eat at Applebee's. Christy Jacobs was her financial guardian. She was investing early on. Um, she was socking away some money and, and she, was, she was frugal. Eva lived to be 105 years old. And when she died in 2018 and her will was read, she had done something truly profound. I thought it was super cool. I mean, it was like, it was, it was exactly what she would have wanted. 
Not long after, Michelle Cimaroli, the foundation manager at Shoreline Community College, received a letter. Had you ever heard of Eva before any of this happened? No, not at all. Catherine Hansen, who handles college relations and marketing at Renton Technical College, got the same letter. We didn't know about her. Rosie Ramondo Cherensap is the interim chancellor for three Seattle community colleges. When people act their kindness out in these really humble but grand gestures, I mean, it is just, you know, it's humbling. In all, 17 different two-year colleges received the same letter. It came out of nowhere, and it was just a gift. Bates Technical College, Cascadia College, Edmonds College. And it was, oh wow, who is this lady? <laughs> Grace Harbor College, Highline College, Skagit Valley College. Eva Gordon had given each of the 17 schools more than $500,000. It was sh like shock, because nobody could believe that we got a $550,000 check from somebody we didn't know. Tacoma Community College, Green River College, Everett Community College, and on and on. Eva started buying stocks as a young woman. She had shares in oil companies, and when Nordstrom went public, she was one of the earliest investors. Later, she invested in Washington Federal. She didn't talk about her money or even spend much of it, really. She was discreet. It's super cool that there are people out there that want to help other people that they don't know. When I first got my scholarship, I first didn't believe it. To me, it felt like like winning the lottery or something. Receiving the scholarship like made me really hopeful, but it also made me feel relevant in the way. So I was really appreciative and grateful for that. At South Seattle College, culinary yeah, students learn their craft. Bust out your puree really quick, okay? In the automotive program. Why does a radiator have a pressure tap? Why do we want to pressurize the cooling system? The path to success begins with hands-on knowledge. Tristan Maxwell is a man with a plan. Well, I'll graduate from here, get a job somewhere, build up some money, and then I want to open my own shop and provide my services to other people. Denzel Holloman has a similar dream. In the long, long run, I do want to run my own business too and have a own, my own art apart spot. These are the people who Eva Gordon invested in when she died. Her investment was more than $10 million. Our community colleges can't offer football games in great stadiums on Saturdays, but they offer plenty to immigrants, refugees, single parents, anyone seeking a chance at education. We open the doors to everyone. We say, come here, we will meet you where you are, and we will help you get to where you want to be. These schools offer real skills to be used in real jobs. So far, 27 students at Renton Technical College alone have received scholarships from the Eva Gordon Endowment. One of them is Maria Zavaleta Williams. She's from Peru, studying to be a medical assistant. Would you be able to be in the program if it wasn't for the no, scholarship? No, I don't think so. No, because uh, I don't. I don't have the money to 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 pay for. And so one woman's act of incredible generosity landed like an atom bomb of kindness three years ago, and it spread. I don't have the words other than thank you from the bottom of my heart. Not just my wife and kids, my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, they're proud, they're happy that I, I was able to, to you know, earn a scholarship. It made me feel like somebody believed in me, which in turn 
really made me start to believe in myself and kind of think further into my future. Not everyone follows the same path. Eva Gordon's path was different. Maybe she wished she'd gone to college. Maybe she watched struggling students from a distance and hatched a plan. This much we know. Eva Gordon believed in people, all different kinds of people. And her gift to them was truly profound. Spirituality is a life of giving. It's centered on others. Are there churches that are preoccupied with money too much? Yeah, I cannot stand up here and say that's not doesn't happen. But there are many churches that talk about giving, the mystery of giving, the holiness of giving, the spirituality of giving. That is how we need to hear that. Today in the pews, some people will say, oh great, I decided to come to church or I took my friends for the first time and they talked about money. <laughs> no. As Isaiah would tell you, you're misguided. It is about giving. And the benefits of giving in that story is what we do as Christians. And so that's why we talk about giving, praying, and serving. So many of you give to great charities like I do. And so we want to continue that. Those of you who support the parish, it's powerful to see you come up each Sunday and lay your gifts there. What a humble way to receive, but also a great light to people to know that giving isn't optional. But that's really what true spirituality is about. Every February, our diocese asks for an appeal from us on the Charity and Development Appeal, and this Sunday is the same. In 1969, Phoenix became a diocese. We used to be under the Diocese of Tucson. And I remember the Arizona public with the biggest letters on the front page of the newspaper that says, Phoenix becomes a diocese. Our first bishop, Bishop Edward McCarthy, began what is called the Charity and Development Appeal, or as we now call it, the CDA. Seventy organizations of charity are supported different formations that happen in the church to make the word of Christ available to everyone in the diocese out of 1.2 million Catholics. So since the early 1970s, millions upon millions and millions of dollars have helped people, and not only Catholics, but anyone who comes to need. 